guys, welcome back to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host, Justine, and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect, and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Alright, episode 4. Welcome back to BYOB, guys. Today, we are going to be talking about mental health in the LGBTQA community, and I'm going to be having on a very special guest to talk about that with me. But first, I just want to update you guys on how my psych exam went. Um, I got 1% higher <laughs> than I did last time, so I guess not horrible. Um, I did not check it for like a solid 3-4 days though because my professor sent us an email saying that our average was a 72%. And I was like, hmm... That's, that's not something I want to look at right now. So I don't know if I should try a different study technique. Um, what I've been doing is outlining so far, and what I did before that was flashcards. So if you guys have any other ideas, please let me know, because I am desperate. Um, I was talking to one of my professors about how she studied for um, exams when she was an undergrad and when she was getting her PhD, and she said when she was an undergrad, she would ask her professor for the list of all the emails of the people in the class, even if these classes had like 350 people. And she would just send out a mass email and be like, I'm studying a, starting a study group. Like if anyone wants to join, just like email me back and would usually get like 30, 40 people who would respond to that. And she would assign everybody a chapter of the reading to outline and then just combine all of that into one giant study guide and send that study guide out to people which i thought was really interesting and she said that it really helped her and like boosted the overall average of her classes exams since as the year went on more and more people wanted to join so you know i don't know if i am bold enough to do that but as the year goes on the better that option is looking so we'll see if i um get the guts to email all 300 people in my site class and be like hey guys let's help each other out all right guys so now is when i get to introduce our very special guest today on byob so we have danny neiman who is a junior at byu majoring in experience design um, i met danny in high school and we were in band together he is amazing at swing dancing and the saxophone and we also went to homecoming our sophomore junior year sometime then but favorite homecoming date there. Um, at BYU, he works as a peer mentor and he likes doing handstands and loves Taylor Swift. He wanted to include that. So Taylor, if you're watching, hello, say hey to Danny. Oh, and also he unexpectedly went viral on Twitter, which I thought was so funny. So Danny, if you just want to tell us that story, please. <laughs> All right. Well, my tweet wasn't necessarily like necessarily a super funny tweet but um it was funny that i went viral i guess i tweeted this in june um i said where did religion go wrong when gay kids grow up fearing god's wrath but racists don't and i mean for context this was when a lot of the black lives matter protests were happening and it was also pride month and so just those things were on my mind like religion and race and queer issues so um i just was feeling kind of frustrated and I like tweeted that out and like put my phone down um and then I like picked it up two minutes later and like it was already getting a bunch of retweets um and the retweets just like increased so I was like wow I guess people really resonated with this that's crazy <laughs> yeah it was it's was kind of a moment of fame yeah no it was so funny because 
the reason like why I saw that was because someone I follow reposted that on their story. Like they reposted the tweet that like another Instagram account had like posted on their account. And so I was just like, what in the world? I was like, wait, isn't that Danny's Twitter handle? <laughs> yeah, I know I had made it when it was like on Instagram and Facebook as well. <laughs> when it travels to different platforms. All right, so we will jump right into the personal experience. So Danny, how did you figure out your sexuality and what's your coming out story? It's interesting that you group those questions together because figuring out my sexuality was like a different era than when I came out just because there was, you know, so much in between there. But I mean, I knew pretty early, uh, definitely once puberty hit, like I knew I was attracted to men and not to women. Um, and that was kind of freaky because like all my life I'd been conditioned to believe that like that's not possible like men are attracted to women and that's how it is mm -hmm. and I was a man and I was going to um like raise a family with a woman and mm -hmm. I don't know that's what I wanted as a kid because that's what I was presented to and I was like oh sounds good um but even as a, a kid I knew that I was a little different from other boys um, and I didn't, like, fit all of the gender expectations. Uh, I knew pretty young, but most throughout middle and high school, I was afraid of it. So I, you know, kind of tried to suppress it. <laughs> but it wasn't until college that I really started to embrace it. And what happened was I kind of hit, like, a rock point. Um, uh, is that how you say it? Like rock bottom. Rock bottom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hit like a rock bottom in my life and I was like, I need to sign up for therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, I found this group therapy that was for LGBT students. Um, and once I went there, I realized like, wow, this, this is something that other people experience too. Like I knew that, but I hadn't personally um, shared that with anyone. Mm -hmm. So the group therapy was super helpful in um, just helping me to accept myself. And it was from that therapy that I decided that like, I didn't want this to be a secret of my life. Um, and so I started coming out to people, close friends first and family. And then eventually I, I just decided like, this isn't going to be something that I'm going to keep a secret. So I, um, I talk about being gay on social media and I feel like that's my way of, you know, helping to normalize it and also maybe help people who are still in the closet now. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. And I can attest to the fact that Danny is very active on social media about educating people about LGBTQA. Um, just like that experience and honestly, just like looking at your stories and reading your captions and stuff has helped me so much to kind of understand that experience. And it really means a lot because, you know, it's not an experience that like I can personally relate to, but I feel like a lot of, hopefully everyone wants to be able to create an environment where, you know, people aren't afraid to come out and people don't feel like they have to like hide their sexuality throughout their entire life. And Right. It's amazing that you were able to, you know, discover that in college and, you know, rise up from rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's then been the biggest challenge for you regarding your sexuality? Um, I think the biggest challenge was just accepting it myself because 
that went against everything that I was taught. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up Mormon, so the church doesn't very, (laughs) there's not much space Mm -hmm. for um, gay people. And I thought that, you know, I had maybe done something wrong as a kid that made me gay or that, um, or that this was like a challenge of mine that I was supposed to like overcome. Um, And it's kind of dark that those were things that I thought as a, you know, young teenager, they aren't very like positive beliefs, especially when you are gay yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the hardest part was realizing that I could, I could question those beliefs and adopt new ones that better, um, better fit my experience as a gay person. So what's one thing you wish you would have known when you were first figuring out your sexuality? I wish I would have known that there's nothing wrong with being gay. It's not, it's not a curse. (laughs) It's like, actually been a great blessing in my life. I'm really grateful uh, that I'm gay. It's taught me so much about life and has really formed who I am. Mm -hmm. So I wish that I was able to see it as a blessing when I first um, came, started to realize I was gay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish that I knew just that there would be hope for me and that it would be acceptable to be gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned before about how joining a therapy group for LGBTQ um, students at BYU kind of helped you understand and be comfortable in your sexuality. So how does that community still help you today, if it does at all? Um, I actually still have friends from that group because we kind of grew up together. Yeah, I mean, really, we're college students, so not like growing up childhood, but we grew emotionally and mentally together. And so I formed a lot of great connections that way. And that group therapy reminded me how important it is to build community as a queer person, because it helps you to normalize your experience um, when you realize that there are so many people around you that are similar to you and have gone through some of the same struggles of growing up queer in a very like heteronormative world. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you're saying applies to not only being a member of the LGBTQ community, but also a lot of other aspects of life, just like the importance of community. And like, I don't know, like whenever you're going through something tough emotionally, or just kind of like trying to understand the mental state you're in, like it's so helpful to have other people that are like going through similar things. Cause like you're saying, you're able to grow to to grow grow with each other and kind of like use each other's experiences kind of like understand how to pursue yeah. life you need those shared experiences and people to say hey i'm dealing with this too you're not alone so on a less exciting note are there any mental health struggles you face that are specific to being part of the lgbtqa plus community yeah so hmm, where do i begin because it's <laughs> <laughs> I think that the mental health struggles stem from feeling othered because LGBT people are um, still in the minority, even as, you know, more of us come out. But, you know, that translates to some anxiety because you never know if you walk into a space, if um, knowledge that you are queer will, you know, affect how you're viewed. There is trauma from being closeted and constantly trying to like hide that I was gay because I was afraid that people would change their perception of me. So while now I live in a pretty accepting world, I still, you know, have that baggage that I'm carrying around. And so if 
someone doesn't make it clear that they are safe, then I have to question whether they are safe, how they view me. So one thing that I didn't realize until you brought it up was the body image issues that uh, gay men face and how like stereotypes of male beauty can contribute to low self-esteem and alienation of gay and bisexual men who don't fit these images. So do body image issues or pressures in the LGBTQA plus community affect you? And kind of like what, if so, like what specific body image issues you face as a gay man? Yeah, I mean, they definitely do affect me. And I think most gay men um, have body image issues. And I think that's because there are issues that are very unique to gay men. Um, and there are like several reasons for that. I was reading this article about how, you know, men are already socialized to be very competitive. So when they're in a space where they're not only socializing with each other, but also sexualizing with each other, it like compounds the mm-hmm. pressure to like look really good and have this amazing chiseled Greek statue body. (laughs) (laughs) And I think another thing that feeds into that is that growing up, there wasn't a ton of uh, queer representation in the media. So really the only gay men that I was exposed to were like social media stars or like porn stars with these like amazing bodies. Those were like the only spaces where I was able to see what um, it was to be a gay man And so I think that like affects a lot of gay men um, because I'd say their experience was probably very similar to mine. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So then how have you tackled these body image issues that you face? Um, I try to be smart about my social media consumption. Um, Like I won't follow people who make me feel bad about my body. I'm very proud of people who want to look really great online. And of course, I want to do that as well. But if I notice that I'm comparing myself and thinking, oh, like, he has such an amazing body. Why don't I look like that? Then I find that it's not healthy for me to be following them. Also, another thing that I do is I try to be healthy in the way that I approach fitness um, because I do really enjoy fitness. I just need to make sure that I'm doing it for the personal enjoyment that it brings me, not like the outcomes of how I will look. Because when I am, when I'm working out because I want my body to appear a certain way, it, um, I can start to get envious of others. I can uh, feel upset with my progress. But then when I focus on like challenging myself and learning new things, um, that's when I really, you know, start to enjoy exercise, which I feel like there is something that everyone can enjoy, whether it's dancing or swimming or pole dancing. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. One day I'm going to do that. (laughs) Pole dancers are ripped. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just so, like, elegant and beautiful. It really is. Yeah, no, you bring up a lot of good points. And I just want to address, like, the whole – kind of idea of like filtering your feed on social media because I feel like that's so important just like being able to know you know what images can trigger you and to stray away from those like 
You know, yeah. Alexis Wren is not going to know if you unfollow her on Instagram. Like all of these mm-hmm. Instagram models aren't going to be like, oh my gosh, how could they unfollow me and stuff? Like no one knows. And if it's like negatively impacting your mental health, then there are steps you can take to kind of control for that. And also about what you're talking about exercising. Like it's so important to exercise because it's healthy and because it improves your health and not because it changes the way you look. Because, you know, you can exercise like seven days a week for like three hours every day. But like, is that healthy for you? And is that positively impacting not only your body, but also like your mental health? And I feel like a lot of people can kind of, and like me included, actually me especially. (laughs) Like when I started exercising frequently, it was because I really wanted to you know, like improve my cardiovascular endurance and stuff like that. But then as time has gone on, there's less of a focus on how I'm keeping myself healthy and more of a focus on how it's changing the way I look. And that's something that I'm really just trying, trying to change. So 100% agree with everything you just said. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So one last topic that Danny also brought up to me was the idea of self-authorship, which is not something that I was Well, I was familiar with what it is. I'll let you explain it, but I like didn't know that there's a word for it. So I don't know if you just wanted to go into what self-authorship is and like how you've kind of struggled with that or how that's affected your life. Yeah. So self-authorship is the belief that you get to write your own story, like that you are in charge of your life, that you are capable of adopting certain beliefs, of making decisions for yourself, and that the answers in your life are not outside of you, but they are inside of you. That was a concept that I, when I learned about it, I really resonated with it because I realized that um, for a lot of my life, I didn't have a ton of self-authorship. And that translated to um, just feeling insecure about myself, seeking outward validation, feeling uncertain about my decisions, feeling like I needed someone else to make decisions for me. And so I think that coming out as gay really um, like challenged me and almost forced me to like develop a sense of self-authorship because I had to decide for myself um, what life path I would want to lead despite what other people's opinions were. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And for me, I feel like I'm a huge people pleaser. And so a lot of like the decisions I've made have been affected by what I think other people will think of me after making those decisions. And it sounds so Mm -hmm. cheesy, but we really do only have one life to live. And there's just not enough. We don't have enough time to be making our decisions based on like what other people will think of us. It's so important to make your decisions because it'll positively impact you and your life. And, you know, prioritize yourself. Be confident in that. I've talked about this like very thing in therapy before, which is when you are people pleasing, a lot of the reason, or at least that I do it, is because I trust their opinions better than mine. I trust the reality in a higher way than I do. And therefore, if I am pleasing them, that's how I know that I'm good. But nobody's opinion is higher than yours. We're all like on an equal playing field. We're all human. And like the world as we know it today is the result of decisions that people have made. So who are, why can't you be the one to make decisions like that? Oh my gosh. I have never thought about it that way, but that is so true. I don't know why, like I trust everyone else's like opinion and like decisions for things that are going on in my life, because obviously like I'm the one 
experiencing it. I'm the one living it. I know what's best for me, but wow, that was, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's such a profound concept. I don't think I'm even doing it justice. <laughs> and then, like I said, I feel like a lot of my sense of self author- authorship developed because I had to come to terms with being gay. And because there were so many voices telling me, oh, if you're gay, this is how you need to live your life. Um, this is how you should act. And I had to say, no, this is how I feel about my sexual orientation. I get to de- uh, decide um, and not you. <laughs> So thank you, Danny, for sharing all of that wisdom, just left and right. (laughs) But now we're going to be transitioning into the advice portion of the podcast. So we're going to hit you with some statistics first, just for people who aren't aware of the um, unique mental illness struggles that members of the LGBTQA plus community face. So first of all, identifying as a member of the LGBTQA plus community is not a mental illness and disorder. Um, being gay, bi, trans, asexual, whatever is not a mental illness. So that's just something I feel like just really needs to be stressed. And according to the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, LGBTQ youth are more likely than non-LGBTQ youth to struggle with mental health because of stigma and discrimination. These individuals deal with prejudice, denial of civil and human rights, harassment at school and workplace, family rejection, like the list just goes on and on and this can lead to newer worsened symptoms um, particularly for those individuals who are also have their sexual identity intersecting with racial or socioeconomic identities in addition to that lgbq individuals are more than twice as likely to feel suicidal and over four times as likely to attempt suicide compared to heterosexual youth and a third of transgender youth have seriously considered suicide and one in five has made an attempt yeah so those are some heavy statistics and I feel like as an LGBT person, when you hear those, it is depressing to realize that is your community um, that faces this. And then you know specific parts of your life when you were facing, or I'm saying you as an I, (laughs) when I was facing um, some of these issues. So I feel like it's important to interject here and say, I am really happy and proud to be gay. um, Because when you hear these statistics, it's easy to think, oh, like, because I was born this way, you know, I'm more susceptible to a lot of these horrible things. Knowing all of this, like, how can someone best support like a family member or a friend who comes out? So first of all, a great thing to do is, you know, go out and create supportive and inclusive spaces, whether that's at work, in your neighborhood, um, organizations in your community. Um, Let it be known that you are a safe space. Um, especially when you're perhaps around teens or more vulnerable populations. Make sure that you know that your friend or family member is loved, accepted. I feel like these are all pretty basic standard things. Um, You can connect them with resources, which we're going to rattle off a few of them later on. Another thing is be an advocate in your religious or spiritual community. And I think this is a huge one because as I was growing up, I thought, well, I am... Mormon, so I can't really fit in with the gay community, or I am gay, so who in the Mormon community is going to like fully embrace me? I was kind of just stuck in this limbo land of feeling isolated from both worlds that I was a part of. So I think it's very important that if you are in a religious space to um, help make sure that that space is safe for queer youth. And next, it's important to speak speak out against discriminatory language or jokes 
made at the expense of LGBT people and support candidates who prioritize legisla- legislation that helps the LGBT community. community. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Normalize stumbling over your words. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I do the same thing. Like in my discussions for class, I'll have to like practice what I'm going to say like three <laughs> times before I say it. And then by the time I like get up the courage, we're like past that topic. But anyways, um, one last thing is kind of relating to what Danny was talking about earlier about how a therapy group helped him. Um, therapy can really help members of the LGBTQA plus community because according to the NHS, um, some topics that you can discuss with the, your therapist are typically in accepting your sexual orientation, coping with other people's reactions to your sexuality, feeling that your body doesn't reflect your true gender if you're struggling with gender dysmorphia or dysphoria, not dysmorphia, um, transitioning, low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, depression, anger, isolation, rejection from family and friends, and fear of violence. So I feel like I'm going to say this in every single podcast episode, but therapy is so helpful, so mm-hmm. useful. And there are a lot of specific issues that you can talk about with your therapist. Right. Um, So now we're just going to list off a few resources um, because not everyone can afford therapy and you might not know what hotlines that are available. First of all, there's the Trevor Project and they have a hotline. There is 866-488-7386. Um, and you can text START to 678-678. And then there's also the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender National Hotline. That is 888-843-4564. And finally, the GLBT National Youth Talk Line. Um, and that's for youth serving youth through age 25. That number is 800-246-7743. Um, and lastly... Find community, that is something that really changed my life, was realizing that there are queer people around me and they had their own struggles, but they also had their own joys. And I, that's where I discovered that it was great to be queer. There are so many great people in the community. And, you know, if you're struggling because being queer isn't totally normalized yet in your family or a religious space you're a part of or you know, just day-to-day life. Um, It's great to be surrounded by other queer people that can help you become more comfortable with your own queerness. (laughs) Yeah, and some ways you can find community are finding support groups at your university and online, like websites like the Tribe and QChat space, um, GSAs at your schools, uh, meetings for chapters of national organizations like PFLAG and itgetsbetter.org. If you're straight and you're listening to this, please learn how to be an effective ally and educate yourself um, and the people around you on how to do that because there are ways that we can create an environment that is safer and more accepting for members of the LGBTQA plus community. And I feel like it's our responsibility to be able to educate ourselves and learn how to do that. So thank you so much, Danny, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And have also just appreciated all of the wisdom you shared with us. Thank you, Justine. I hope that my words did justice to what I was <laughs> They definitely did. All right, guys. So thanks so much for listening. And remember to BYOB next week. See ya. Bye.